Kick off your shoes, sit back, and find that gigantic stack of papers you've been meaning to grade. It's time for the new teacher hotline. You have reached us at the New Teacher Hotline, broadcasting to the world wide web. <laughs> Episode 5, I am Mike Kelly, the Director of Teacher Preparation at the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. As always, my co-host, Dr. Glenn Moulton, our resident teaching expert and radio voice guy. Hi, I'm Glenn. So since we recorded our last episode, we have gotten more things up on the web. We have a website now. Right. We're very excited about that. Mm-hmm. We started recording these. It's a busy place. It is. We're getting lots of listeners and, well, not viewers. Unless, well, it is a website, so technically right. you're yeah. viewing it. But we hope that you are subscribing to us. Remember that you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Maybe one day we'll talk about how all that works. And mm-hmm. you no? have, you'll have to do that. And I was pointing when I did that for emphasis. I noticed that. I don't know why. <laughs> If we were on video, that would have been very effective. It would have. But trust me, it's serious business. It makes me feel like I'm doing, I'm talking to people. But every two weeks, we release one of these podcasts. You can listen right there online. Our website is www. I'm still doing my hand. I'm sitting on my yeah, hands. Yeah. www.newteacherhotline.com. You can go there and listen to all the episodes, download it to your computer, listen to it later, listen to it on the go for the professional with a busy lifestyle. So let's get started on our content. But, but you're not pointing anymore, so that's okay. I'm you're, not. You're now getting I'm, better. I'm wrenching my hands because now I know I'm wasting time. <laughs> um, let's move on to our warm-up for the week, and our warm-up for the week is parent phone calls. Oh. I thought we would take a, a slight switch yeah, from classroom management. It's related. Everything's yeah, related to yeah. classroom management. Mm-hmm. I think you said that once. You said... No instruction can occur until you've got your class under control. That's true. You said it better than that. Oh, it was something you. like that. I, we'll we'll I say that shot. I said it better than that. Okay. okay. Fair enough. So you've got your class under control or you don't. Either way, you've still got to make parent phone calls eventually. There's a lot of things I did like. This didn't fall in that category. I didn't like making parent phone calls. No. Most people don't. There are two types of parent phone calls. The kind that you want to make. tone and rotary. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and then there's the kind that you don't want to make. So let's talk about the kind you want to make first. Okay. Sounds and this is probably positive. the one that's the most overlooked. But every teacher will have students in class that fall into this mold. And that is the student's doing very well, outperforming the peers, or maybe displays a genuine talent in that subject area. Call home. Let the parents know. You know, your child is just performing well beyond expectations, and I see a real bright spot here, and this may be, a, you know, an opportunity to do something good for the family. Parents like those kind of phone calls. Of course, so does the child. But sometimes we overlook the fact that we we have very good students, and if we don't tell the parents that, we miss the opportunity to really be a positive influence in their lives. And you never know. That phone call may be the one that triggers the parents to... Uh, go out and find some additional opportunities or additional experiences to help the child flourish in that area. You know, a lot of times parents don't recognize that their child is a born artist or thinks like a scientist or, you know, is an exceptional reader. Sometimes the teacher needs to tell them. All parents may think that everything their child does is perfect, but, you know, it's up to the teacher to affirm that. Let's put it that way. Okay. But, yeah, there you go. Now, I didn't do this very often when no, I was teaching. No, I would I say the, the ratio of good phone mm-hmm. calls to bad phone calls was unequal. I made many more bad ones than good ones. Yeah, most people do. Typically, the good 
positive interactions with parents occur at parent-teacher night when the parents come in to meet their teachers. Well, typically it's the parents of the good kids. So uh, there's an opportunity there to say, hey, you know, he or she reads so much better and comprehends so much better than the rest of the class that, you know, I think we have some real talent here. Do you do that when all the other parents are listening to make them jealous? Uh, well, there were, yeah, no. So you can come to the front. <laughs> all you other parents, yeah. don't even look at me. I yes, will the parents, will Glenn's parents come to the back? All the rest of you wait in the uh, hallway. That's right. I'll be getting to you after the period's <laughs> yeah. over. I'll be leaving out the window. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the other opportunity that surfaces a lot is when you meet parents out in the community whether it's at an athletic event or in the grocery store or church or whatever, there's an opportunity to say something to them then. But that doesn't get me out of making positive phone calls, does it? Because I figured that if I happen to run across these people and I say, hey, you know, your kid is not doing as bad as the rest of the class. I don't think it does excuse uh, doing a positive phone call. It's just another opportunity to spread the good news to the parents. But it's a good incentive for the child. In other words, uh, Parent, the teacher calls home and talks to the parent and says something good about the child. And, you know, it may be that you're the only teacher that bothered to do that. It may just change the whole complexion of the family unit that, wow, that teacher thinks so much of you that they even called home to tell you that you're doing a good job. All right, well, let me pose you this scenario. Okay. At one very low-performing class, it was a constant struggle, like a tug-of-war of control. No matter what I tried, essentially I felt like I was barely hanging on. I've heard it said that you were driving a team of horses with dental floss. That's how it felt like. At any second, it would snap and everything would go out of control. Still, I was making some small progress. And I thought, well, I'm going to try this, the the happy phone calls or whatever they call them. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to call this one student who's always doing great in my class. And she was outperforming everyone else. She seemed to be annoyed when other people were behaving badly kind of tuned in with what I was trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So I called home, talked to her parents, and they were very excited to get the call. And it worked really well. So effective, but I just didn't keep doing it. And why is that? Can you tell me why I'm so apathetic (laughs) to try something that worked really well? Well, because it does require most teachers to expend extra effort after school. Most of the schools that I've been in, the teachers do not have a phone on their desk. It is. It's extra effort. Does it work? Yeah, it does. It, it's a feel-good. It's a connection between the, the school and the parent. We probably, as a nation of teachers, overlook the fact that we've got good kids, and it's a good idea to fertilize that relationship a little bit, make it grow and flourish. And you're right. We, we probably don't do it as much as we should, and I didn't either. I just saw it as a giant, and this is probably bad to say, but I saw it as a giant hassle to have to go there and they were never home and Mm -hmm. I would have to leave a message and then I would have to follow up and then maybe they wouldn't understand exactly what I was trying to say and it just seemed like so much work. I guess that doesn't excuse it, but it just seemed like such a giant hassle. Yeah, in the the olden days before answering machines and emails and that sort of thing, uh, yeah, it may have required repeated phone calls, especially if you have, you know, 150 students to deal with. And you want to make a personal phone call to each one, you know, do the arithmetic, it's pretty hard to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there, it was it was trouble sometime. But it's well worth it. So how often do you think you should be making these? Just give me a ballpark. If you're going to make happy phone calls, are you talking happy phone calls every evening, every week, every month, every term? I don't, I don't think there's a regular time sequence on that. I think you need to do it at an appropriate time. 
you know, whenever that is. So if the child has done something special that day, then it might be a good time to make one that evening. Okay. So you're talking about specific instances mm-hmm. that, that trigger right. in your mind, wow, this was great and you should share that. That's that's the first one. The other one is I know the parent is concerned about this child and this child's had a good week. So maybe on Friday I call and, and say something nice and the family has a good weekend. So there's opportunities there to really be a force in the community. I like that idea. I like the idea of calling right before the weekend mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that everything that you did there kind of has time to sink in. And you never know, the child may want to do something that weekend, and the parent may think, well, he is on or he or she is on restriction. But we got that happy phone call from the teacher, so maybe we'll ease up a little bit. It does kind of break down a little bit of that us versus them mentality. Absolutely. The teachers versus the students. And and that gets us into the bad phone calls or the unhappy phone calls. I shouldn't call them bad. They're unhappy. And the first thing is to change the mental image about that phone call. They're not bad. They're not unhappy. The best way to look at a phone call where you're calling the parent to inform them of behavior or academic problems with their child, do not, please do not think of that as a bad phone call or an unhappy phone call. It is an opportunity to network with the child and their parents to make things better. So I only made them when I was either really frustrated or angry. I know. Or, yeah. It's hard to see them. I can't wait for this opportunity. <laughs> I'm calling home now. <laughs> right. And, of course, uh, Same that's, way that like, yeah. a bad sunburn is an opportunity to buy aloe or something like that. You can't go into this blind, I'm assuming. You can't just kind of charge in and say, your kid kicked another kid, so what are you going to do about it? Right. What exactly. sort of steps go into preparing for that phone well, call? The first thing to do is think it through. Why are you making a phone call? What do you expect as a result? And what can you and the parent do to make things better? Does that also mean that we need to include a guidance counselor or an administrator or other teachers or a social worker? Well, maybe. If it's a simple thing where, you know, Glenn didn't do his work again today or was misbehaving in class, then, you know, that's a probably a lower level opportunity. But, you know, if Glenn has had a major incident that requires a little more of an escalation. Kind of set the table. Right. Figure out who's got to be there. And you're right. saying if it's not a giant, massive, mm-hmm. awful incident, then let's say it's just you and the parent on the phone then keep it as simple as possible but try to get all the players there who need to be there most of the time it's teacher and parent and i'm assuming if it's more people then you'd actually have to probably do it in person and the phone call wouldn't work too well right the Unless, phone call, i guess a conference call technology could, is kind of out distancing what i used to do in right. teaching i guess two people could be on the phone at the same time okay so you're calling home what is it you're going to say what do you want the parent to do There are some cases where the teacher just wants the parent to make this thing go away. I've done everything I can. Now you try it for a while and restrict them from going everywhere until... Take away all that they love. Take away everything. So they start doing their math homework. And and they don't need to eat every day either. But uh, Eating is a privilege. Right. (laughs) But on the other hand, that's not going to work because a lot of times the parents already tried all that and, you know, what's next? Again, depending on the situation, it might be that uh, the teacher and the parent need to come up with a, a set of rules for the child to live by. So you need kind of a plan. You don't want to just say, this is why I'm angry. Now, what are you going to do? Don't go in with anger in your voice. This is still pre-phone call. Mm-hmm. First was you're going to figure out what your plan is. Absolutely. And then figure out who needs to be involved. And mm-hmm. secondly, where are you going from here? What's the long-term ramifications? Mm-hmm. This is all before the phone call even gets made. I would. I would, because the last thing you want to do is get in the middle of a phone call and not know where you're going. 
or not know how you're going to get out of the phone call gracefully. And by the way, why'd you call anyway? No, you don't want to do that. This is a professional experience. The parent is going to expect the teacher to guide the conversation with the idea that we're working towards making this a better place for this child or making this child better fit into the community. Well, in the interest of moving the show along and trying to keep to some sort of schedule, let's pause right here okay. with our discussion on parent phone calls. We're going to pick it up at this exact point next episode, All right. episode six, part two of the parental <laughs> phone call discussion. But we need to move on to our listener email, so let's do it. Hey, you've got mail. Our email today comes from James, who is a middle school teacher, and he says, Dear New Teacher Hotline, I have a number of students in my class who like to be very personal with me. They like to joke around. I like to joke around with them. We have a good rapport. They understand that I'm in charge. I really don't have a issue with classroom management. Well, my problem isn't that. My problem is actually how I responded to an incident. I was standing in the back of the classroom and working with the student, and I looked up, and I noticed that the students were crowded around my desk, and when I got there, I noticed they were rifling through my drawers. Let's say that I didn't respond the best way. Let's say that some words came out that shouldn't be said in polite company, and let's say that those were the worst words that I could have said. Without going into hmm. any more specifics, how do I respond to this? Wow, that's a tough one. It sounds like he just kind of slipped up. Mm -hmm. This happens on occasion. It's probably a good question to address. What do you do when you lose control and say or do something that you shouldn't? It doesn't sound like the kids were doing this a lot. It kind of sounds like maybe he didn't have good boundaries set up in the first place where the kids didn't know that this would have been bad. Right. Or it could be that he just overreacted. You know, people slip. Uh, the unfortunate thing is the community does not like it, and it's really not professional for a teacher to lose control anytime. Do teachers have to live under a higher standard? Yes. But at least our paychecks reflect that. That's why we, we get, get paid, paid the money. big, yeah. <laughs> we get paid the big bucks. The parents in the community expect us to be models of good behavior and good citizenship, and I do too. I think that's what teachers do. So we're not allowed to lose our temper, whether it's in class or out in the community, by the way, and maybe that's something we can talk about sometime too. But let's say it happens. For whatever reason, it happens. You know, in this particular case, the teacher's probably, uh, probably well-liked and just maybe had a bad moment. So what do you do? You've said something or you've done something that you shouldn't have. And I've been in situations where that happened, and I may have done it myself. And one may, thing I've noticed... You may have done it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, one thing I noticed... Yes. One thing, I've, one thing I've noticed in times when it did happen is there is a, an abrupt silence in the room because no one knows what to do next. The best thing that can happen is the teacher apologizes. Instantly. Look, I'm sorry. I've overreacted. Please forgive me. As opposed to, look what you made me do. Right. Yeah, that usually makes it worse. Right. <laughs> but that's not the end of it. Let the building administration know what happened in detail. Now, if you have time, write it down exactly what happened. Don't leave anything out, including whatever language or action occurred. And you keep a copy, you give the administration a copy. They have to know what's going on because when the phone calls start coming in, and they will, they need time to prepare a response. In a lot of cases, the administration will then tell the teacher, you need to call every parent tonight and say, here's what happened. Oh, yeah, that, I know. That, that hurts to even think about. I know, it's tough. That is, it's winding. Mm -hmm. If you don't make the phone call, I will guarantee you that one or more students will tell their parents, and they may elaborate 
and by 8 p.m. that evening, all the parents will know, and the story may be a volcano by then, and the next morning there could be a committee waiting to talk to the principal about misconduct in office. So and it's not an easy fix. It's not a, oops, I'm sorry, let's everyone forget that I said that. It's damage control all the way to it each is. parent. It is. In all fairness, the parents need to know because it's, it's a common courtesy. And secondly, it is damage control. Here's what happened. I acted inappropriately, and I'm just calling all the parents to let them know there was an incident that provoked my anger, and I acted in a way that I shouldn't have. Now, I think we've addressed the uh, situation so that it won't happen again, and I am addressing my situation. I've, I have a meeting with the administrator, and uh, we've talked about it, and I think I can handle myself in the future. Or something along that line, you know, soften it and wordsmith it a little bit. But let the parent know, yes, it did in fact happen. Here's what happened, and it's no more than that. I've taken steps to prevent not only uh, the students from the bad behavior, but also my own bad behavior. I'm putting it behind me and moving forward, and I'll be happy to meet with anybody at any time. Well, that seems like you're taking a situation which is potentially disastrous for your oh, reputation, yeah. and you're actually improving your reputation, mm -hmm. kind of clearing the air and being very honest. If the teacher pulls it off correctly, it is a model of what citizens should do. We all make mistakes. What do you do when you make a mistake? You admit it. You apologize. You try to fix it, and then you move on. That's what we're asking the classroom teacher to do. Makes sense to me. Oh, good. <laughs> Did we get that one right? <laughs> I think. Let me check. And yes. Okay. Our rubric says five out of five. Five out of five. Now, let me add a codicil to that. You can get by with that once. Twice, you're on thin ice. A third time, you better be interviewing someplace else. Once is forgivable. Twice is the beginning of a pattern. A third time is a trend. And you're usually out of there by then because the community just won't stand for it. And as a follow-up to that, try to match your out-of-class behavior to your in-class behavior. Because however you act and conduct yourself outside the classroom, I mean, you're an adult. You can do and say whatever you want. But it's kind of silly to think that that's not going to overflow into the classroom a little bit in a moment of anger or when all your filters sort of fall off mm -hmm. or when you're tired, you've just had a day. And I think you start speaking like you do quote-unquote, in real life outside the classroom. <laughs> well, you, you've made a good point in that teachers are models. It's a 24-7 job. You are on stage all the time. Everything you do is part of the profession. Before we get too long-winded and before we stretch this out to an unlistenable yeah. length, we should well, probably tie this off here. Aren't we getting paid by the minute? Oh, we're not? No. <laughs> so. Well, let's say, oh, let's get out of here. We'll see you all in the faculty lounge. Do you have a question that you would like us to answer on a future podcast? Our experts are standing by. Email us today at newteacherhotline at gmail.com. The New Teacher Hotline is presented every two weeks by the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. Look us up online at www.abcte.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. In fact, ABCTE makes no claim that downloading this podcast will even be worth your time. But, you know, we, we hope it is. Our theme song is courtesy of Van Davis at www.vandavis.com. Thanks for listening.